Welcome everyone to a, another morning check-in. My name is Chris Sarda at Casting Comics on Instagram and Twitter, like always. And today we're gonna do a more. Yesterday we did. I talked about what if. I talked about some Star Wars. Today's gonna be a little bit more comic focused, which is mostly what I want to do. Um, but that other sneak stuff will definitely sneak in, especially if it it fills my day. And there's only there's only one little thing that's not comics that's uh, that I wanted to talk about. I actually watched this movie a while ago, but uh, I did want to mention it because um, it came up at work. Um, but the first thing I want to go through is um, something I I posted on Twitter and Instagram, and uh, I guess I was a little bit surprised on how uh, the reaction maybe or, or maybe the fact that I posted it. It would be um, if you look really close there. If you look really close there, you'll see those Broken Bones ballads that I owned. What did I buy? I bought nine of them accidentally. Who knows what I did? I may have, uh, I may have tried to put one. I may have tried to put zero, and then hit the nine. All I know is that they came in the mail, and there were nine of them. And now they're in. This is blue. This is the recycling bin here. So I don't know where you guys, what kind of. <clears throat> Uh, caveman world you guys live in, but blue means recycling in the civilized world. Um, and those are in there right now. Then over the weekend, um, I did uh, throw away a different little potpourri sort of, of of stuff that I don't know why I'm saying potpourri so much this week, but, um, and, uh, you know, there's my lar bars and then, you know, I have a kid, little baby. So there's his, his formula. I'm sure half of this isn't even really recyclable, but you know, my wife throws anything in there. I also got pointed out on Twitter that some of these are in poly bags and those are not recyclable. So I should have taken them out of recycling. But um, I, listen, I get that I should give them away and I get that I should donate them to hospitals or whatever, or I should sell them. Or, But at some point, I've been saying that for a year or two, that I have too many and there's a lot that I don't actually need. And I can't give a lot of my comics away to kids because they're not for kids. But... Uh, I mean, is that, I, I thought that was like a normal thing that maybe a bunch of 10 cent dollar issues that don't matter, those are easy to throw away. But uh, apparently um, you guys are a lot of hoarders out there. Uh, so I'm curious if anyone actually just tosses comic books like that. And I plan to toss a whole bunch more. Uh, my wife, when she saw me do it, uh, she's very pro me doing this. She's okay with, she's okay with me because it's more expensive actually to buy digital right if you buy them on comiXology and you have the you know the, i pay the 9.99 because i i like the the books that are free on there with that payment uh, i only get 15 percent off and then through gmart uh, i get 35 percent off and you know maybe it's like fandom graphics i think it's 25 percent off most of them are 35 percent off and she's completely okay with me spending more if i didn't uh if i didn't have these piles of comics everywhere um <clears throat> But uh, I'm just curious to see if anyone else would actually pull that that trigger to throw away a stack. I'll probably, within the next two weeks, um, I'll probably throw away a short box or two. Uh, but anyway, my wife popped out and she started going, she started going, I, we could sell them at a yard, so we could do this. And then, and then you could see her like argue with herself. She's like, Gosha, shut up. She like said her name, shut up. Let me, let me just, you just throw them away. Don't, don't, don't make any change because I almost did. I almost turned around and pulled them right out of the trash can because, you know, it hurts. It does hurt. It definitely hurts. So, um, 
I don't know. I probably won't take as many pictures because my trash can's pretty dirty, but uh, it's probably the end of, of the pictures, but I will probably be tossing a good amount of comic books. I, I'm in, after my wife said that I'll, I'll set aside you know, some of the stuff I don't really need. And uh, she could sell those at a yard sale or something like that. Um, so the only non-comic thing I want to talk about is, uh, and this movie has been out a while, but it, it stuck with me, I guess. Uh, is the movie um, is the movie Free Guy with uh, Ryan Reynolds that looked like it was just going to be an absolutely idiotic, like a horrible movie. And if this movie, so video game movies in general have this bad rap. So did comic movies for the longest time, right? But if this movie was had been made in in the eighties or nineties, uh, it would have been a terrible movie. They wouldn't have figured it out. Uh, but this. Uh, this time around, free, you know, the movie that looked like it was going to be completely idiotic was actually really, really enjoyable, to be honest. Um, it's it's an excuse for Ryan Reynolds to be Ryan Reynolds. Uh, that's a lot of his movies lately. It's like, you know, do your little Ryan, Ryan Reynolds attitude. Uh, so if you don't like Ryan Reynolds, you're definitely not going to like uh, Free Guy. But uh, by the end of the movie, uh, it's a... You know, it's it's a creative movie. Action scenes are creative because of the nature of the movie, and um, and the characters in the movie you actually find that you care about them a lot, uh, even the ones that are uh, magically or not magically technologically fake. And then in its own in its own subtle way, uh, it makes some interesting and very basic statements about AI. Right? I mean, all all of our AI stories, especially when they get to the big screen movies are all terrifying uh you know dystopic stories of ai taking us over and killing us you know, terminator to matrix and whatnot but this one was what if it becomes alive does it what kind of rights does it have uh because and when when is it actually alive right and it didn't get that deep it didn't it wasn't like matrix one where it it got philosophical or anything like that but uh but it did bring it up you know, because the characters, these NPCs, I don't know why I put those in quotes, it's a common phrase now, but the non-player characters in the game, you actually do sort of start caring for them and they're funny and quirky in their own way. Um, but other than that, I mean, for the most part, it's going to be one of those movies that's going to get on a streaming service and you may or may not watch it. It's not going to be, it's not like really a must watch. Uh, it didn't, um, you know, as, as, as surprised as I was at how good it is, and if you feel like that kind of movie and you like Ryan Reynolds, then it's a, a for sure watch. Um, you know, it didn't do anything special. Uh, it didn't take very many risks, which is something that would really make me care about a movie or, or put it on a on a higher up on a list for me. But uh, at the end of the you know at the end of the day, it was it was pretty basic and um, you know something that was just lighthearted and uh, enjoyable. So uh, that's really the only uh, non-comic thing today uh, was Free Guy. I guess it's sort of still in the, you know, in the mix. I mean, there's a, especially doing, recording this for YouTube, uh, there's a, a lot of gamers on there. So Twitch and, and what's obviously YouTube. Um, and I, I imagine that they're popular streamers. I'm not really in that world. I don't know that much about that world. But I know like whenever they did those disaster movies, it was, ac it was actually reporters I knew. So I imagine that they, you know, they, they got, hopefully they got real streamers. Hopefully they didn't just use actors for that. So uh, enjoyable, didn't move the needle, 
as far as it being uh, very, uh, as far as it taking any chances or anything, it's it becomes once you figure out and enjoy what it is within its boundaries, then it's it's fun. But those boundaries are are pretty tight. So um, let's open. Let's do an unboxing, huh? So you know, there's a if you buy hardcovers, which I've started to try to do more uh, than floppies. One of the issues with them is that they go out of print pretty easy and uh, and any kind of omnibus, not even hardcovers, right? And, and so you have to like balance that because you can't get to them all. Uh, so you have to balance that with, um, you know, how much you actually can buy or what's in your budget, you know? So I always keep an eye out for things and and we'll go in and grab them. But sometimes I lose out and uh, and it really annoys me. Wicked and Divine is one of them. Um, I was behind on Wicked and Vine, and so I have the first two hardcovers. So when three came out, I said, oh, that shouldn't be too hard to find. And uh, and I let it float out there. And one day I, on Kieran Gillen's webpage, I heard them say, is there any chance you're going to reprint that? And he goes, there's no plans for it. And I, my assumption was that it was just still $30 on Amazon, or I can even get an older copy beat up or something. Um for cheaper, and of course, that's not the case. It's hundreds of dollars. And the one that just grabbed me uh, from uh, reading up on the Diamonds uh, Retailer Summit, which the second day was today, I might cover it. I might cover like Dark Horse, a couple of the other companies. I might cover that in a couple of days, not today though. Uh, was that I, I, I read in the Dark Horse little blurb on uh, the beat, on the comics beat, that uh, there was no plans to reprint the uh, Lone Wolf and Cub omnibuses or Omnibuy. And uh, it feels like I, I bought volume one, which is still pretty cheap, by the way. It's still only the $20 or whatever. Just like I bought volume one less than a year ago. Uh, you, you know, it's not, this is not a Lone Wolf and Cub review, but I can see how it's what was one of those situations where I was reading it slow because I can see how important it is. But I, since I didn't read it ahead of time, you know, I've read all the influences. So the stories were coming out basic. So I was reading it a little bit slow, but it is something I wanted to completely read. And uh, and so now those Omnibuy are are just out of hand, like, and they're not even hardcovers. So it's uh, one of those things where you need to know the handful that you want, and you need to number one read the ones you fucking buy. You freaking buy. Uh, I'm trying not to curse on here since it's the morning. Um, and, uh, and then keep an eye on the ones that you do want to buy. And if you see them going up or if you see them going down, you got to jump on it early. So one of those was um, Nausicaa from uh, Heo uh, Miyazaki. So Nausicaa is uh, definitely, I think, one of his best um, animes. Um, Miyazaki, of course, no, known more for his movies from Studio Ghibli than, uh, than his anime, at least in the United States. And uh, I think it's one of his best. I think it's also one of his under most underrated. You know, I think a lot of people say Princess Mononoke. Um, a few of the other ones are slipping my mind now. Uh, but this is his pretty pretty. He did uh, Lupin stuff, but this is pretty much his earliest work. Um, and uh, he did a whole series of it that is not the movie is actually um, the movie is actually uh, cut down. You know, the whole story is in the anime. So this is something that's normally like 60 bucks, maybe 70. 
And uh, when I saw, you know, and I think, you know, you see it for 50 maybe, and I saw it somewhere uh, for 30. So this is one of the times where I go, well, let me, let me scoop that guy up. So this is not really an unboxing, it's more of a decellophaning, um, which sounds dirtier than it really is. And then we'll take a look at these books. I should set a second camera up so I can, so we can have a closer look at these books without me just holding it up. Um, oh goodness. There we go. Decellophane, you good. Okay. So it comes in a nice slip case. That's a big deal too. Like when you, if you're going to buy something nice, I mean, it's, it's as much shelf porn as it is something to read. Okay. It's like 90% something to read, but the 10% shelf porn is nice. So it's really nice when something looks good. So the, um, the slip case is very important to me. And then I got two big chunky, uh, Nausicaa of the, of the Valley of the Wind books. So there's number one. Ooh, even a little poster that I don't care about. So here's number one. Um, you know, nice pages. <sighs> I was going to say new book smell, but that sounds, that smells very plasticky. And uh, I, I was reading this. My original plan was just to read these um, through the library. And I got to volume three or four, or maybe two or three. Um, but I, I really like it. So I went ahead and picked it up and I'm picking up a lot of stuff from picking up a lot of older anime or manga, to be honest. Um, geez, whenever they, uh, this is probably not showing up great on the screen, but whenever they do that little bit of coloring in manga, you know, they do those first two or three pages. It always annoys me. It's always colored so nice and always annoys me that, that, uh, traditionally they don't, they don't color their comics. Um, they color their anime though, so it wouldn't be that crazy. Um, so let's see. Yeah, look at see, look how just look at that. Just, just beautiful coloring there. I think even uh, even muted um, being recorded, it's still you could still sort of get how nice it is. Oh geez, it's even better. It gets even better. Oh. They leave the English in there. I wonder if that's original. So there's some charts. Uh, you know, we love mushrooms up in here. Oh, I wanted to uh, review um, Kazar by Zach uh, Thompson, who did more mushroom stuff. He just got done with that uh, Aftershock book, and he did more mushroom stuff. So it's just a beautiful book. I'm showing the colored versions, but uh, I sure hope that it is. Okay, good. Yeah, chapter. that's chapter five. Oh, that's because it's number two. So black and white's not going to come out as well. Um, you know, pretty dense for manga. So you see like, uh, you know, it looks almost looks almost like a Western comic to me. Of course, it's uh, uh, read opposite than we're used to. Uh, don't complain about that. You know, it's like driving stick. It's like a 35-minute problem to, to understand how to do this. Um, so, you know, beautiful book. Let's look at some of these here. And it's going to look nice on my shelf because who knows when I'll get to this. Hopefully I stop buying so many um, single issues and I could start really enjoying uh, longer, longer form version stuff. I got to get like back into that mode since I had a kid. That was the reason I started reading more comics, right? Because, you know, I can read for 10 or 15 minutes and, and, and be happy with what I read. 
I mean, I always read comics. I always read graphic novels and stuff, but I stopped reading real books. Reading, I'm reading Cabal right now by Clive Barker. It's a little bit shorter. And then I'm also reading, this is I read out loud to my son, my baby, my new baby son is, uh, um, oh, geez, they just made a terrible movie about it. So I am reading books, but just much slower than I used to. So that was um, Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind by Hayao Miyazaki, one of the Mount Rushmore of manga. Um, in, uh, in the book that Kevin Eastman did, that was sort of about his life and the, you know, the fake Ninja Turtles that the character makes in the book were called like the ragamuffin rats or something like that. They were all named after, there were three or four of them. I think there were three of them. They were named after the three, um, you know, biggest manga writers. So one of them was Miyazaki. Um, the other one was, I think, Tezuka. Uh, I can't remember their names. And then, um, of course, or Otomo and not Tezuka. Whoever wrote Lone Wolf and Cub. So I think that's even a good, if you just start reading from those guys, you're going to get like a good base. So go Google Kevin Eastman's one shot of his pretend Ninja Turtles and uh, and go find out the names of each of those three. I think they're ragamuffins or something like that. And, and uh, it, so instead of um, Renaissance artists, I guess they weren't all Renaissance artists, but instead of European artists, he, in his like fake book, they were all named after uh, anime or uh, um, important manga creators. Uh, what's next? What's next? Okay, this is next. I want to talk about this book, Voodoo Nations, uh, that I really enjoyed. It is a Kickstarter book. Um, it is uh, written by Travis Gibb, who uh, I know... Um, through the YouTube community. Uh, it took me a long time to read this book. Uh, he gave it to me uh, in digital a long time ago, but if I was going to pay that Kickstarter cash um, uh, for physicals, I'm gonna, I wasn't going to wait. So we, he's two issues in. The Kickstarter for this ended a little bit ago, a few months ago, so they came in right away. And, um, and man, I really enjoy it. Uh, the artist that he got to do this name is Luke Stone, and um, the art's pretty solid. Uh, you know, it feels like a Kickstarter, don't get me wrong. So it's not, you know, it's it's people working really, really, really hard while they're doing other stuff, not doing, you know, their job. And it just came out. So it came out beautiful. And especially when you consider that. Um, the book's really interesting. It's about missionaries. Uh, they run into um, a, a voodoo priest, which uh, which I thought, the first thing I thought when I read that is like, I mean, I'm sure I can find a lot of examples of voodoo in comic books, but, uh, but you don't, it's like a little bit underdone. Don't you think like there, there should be a lot more voodoo actually. And I know there's all the weird black magic stuff, but it feels like you don't get a lot of voodoo out there. So this is uh this is a book where uh, some missionaries run into a voodoo priest and some weird supernatural stuff happens. Um, you know, he writes them out to be cool missionaries, I guess in my head, that sort of Christian uh, type person that is, uh, I mean, mostly because I went to high school in a, I'm from Los Angeles, but I went to high school in a small town. Um, I guess people don't see, don't remember like the hardcore scene and the punk scene and the metal scene in the Christian world in the nineties and early two thousands. Um, but that's what the main characters in this 
are at least start out to be. Uh, even mentions Sleeping Giant, a, a Christian hardcore band. I had to ask him uh, if that was a if that was a a uh, coincidence, and no, it wasn't. He knows the he knows the singer from there. So, um, and then the rest of the day, I was trying to remember this other uh, really good Christian um, punk label, and I kept calling it Sleeping Giant Records, Sleeping Giant Records, and it was called. Uh, now I forgot what it's called again but it was called sleeping something records. And, you know, it had a bunch of pretty good bands in it. So uh, like officer negative and stuff like that. So yeah, uh, I really enjoyed it. As I'm reading it though, I just can, all I can think about, you know, cause the, the book comes out, you know, it's really good quality. Um, uh, you know, I, Marvel should be dying to get this kind of quality. I don't know why that they can't put a book like this together. Not necessarily the cardstock cover or whatever, you know, but uh, it's just a, a real beautiful like piece of work as far as uh, putting it together. Uh, it was a fun read. And all I could think about is, man, how hard it is to not be a publisher or or be doing this all day and, or have like this perfect process down and churn out all these books like a lot of even the smaller publishers do to, to just be a group of people that can put out books and finish them and do the whole Kickstarter campaign and the marketing and everything is just a ton of work. So it, when you're reading it, you're reading some of these Kickstarters with a lot of love. And then you also paid more money most of the time, right? Um, so that's why it's dangerous. That's why I don't do a ton of Kickstarters. But, uh, but to put that all together, um, it just proves how much you really love doing it. And then if you were to talk to Travis or you've seen him on Comic Burrito or with the uh, Bearded Comic Bro or a whole bunch of other places, you know, you could tell that He's doing this on the side like a lot of Kickstarter guys are, and he's uh, enjoying it uh, immensely. Um, it also makes me like, it was, I got to that point by going like, what the, f what the hell is the point? What the heck is the point of doing this? Um, but it just seems like so much work, right? And, 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 and we all, we're all like comic fans. We all think, oh, maybe I'll write my own comic. Maybe I'll do my own comic, right? And, uh, and they all, all of us think that. A very small percentage actually like get it done, um, and uh, and when someone like me goes, man, what's the point? It seems like a a big ass headache. You know, I would just write it and then pay someone to handle everything else and just take the loss. Like that's a lot of people can't afford that. I can't afford it either. But that's what that's the way I would do it. Just to have like something nice like this and say that I created it. So um, a lot to be proud about. It's a uh, it, I'm it's only two issues in. So I have the first two issues and it was a very interesting story. Um, like I said, Voodoo's a little bit underused. Uh, I don't want to say that out loud because then it'll just start showing up everywhere. But uh, it's something that you would expect a lot more in the comic world. And I don't feel like it's out there that much. I mean, maybe we should be using Brother Voodoo more. Uh, but yeah, that's Voodoo Nations. He just got done. I should have done this maybe Monday because he just got done with his uh, his, uh, a different Kickstarter campaign for a book called expired. Um, and, uh, and maybe that would have made someone go and look it up and then support them. Uh, but you know, I'm never on time. So, uh, look up voodoo. There's voodoonations.com. You can find Travis give all over the place in the community, um, comic reader or whatnot. And uh, voodoo Nations is pretty good. So part it's a four part series. Part three will come out even I'm sure he wants you to buy part three, but even wait for a trade or something like that. And, uh, and you'll have a good time with that for sure. Um, the other comic I was able to read today was Guardians of the Galaxy number 
uh, who knows what it was. It was the, I'm, that's one of the books that I'm interested in, but reading behind because uh, I'm not buying this crap all the time and I have Marvel Unlimited. Um, so I'm right at the point where Guardians of the Galaxy started crossing over with um, it's number 15 with the Hellfire Gala. So I've read all the Hellfire Gala. I bought all of those. And, uh, you know, this one is uh, is Nova, Richard, Richard Ryder and Star-Lord showing up to the sword base. And uh, there was a real <laughs> there's a real funny sequence here. It was a, mostly a talking book. So they had to. Al Ewing was clever in the way that he figured out how to, uh, you know, get some action in the book. Richard Ryder's complaining about all of these super villains that now that they're best buddies. Uh, so Super Scrolls won. The issue prior, Star Lord invited Doctor Doom into the uh, into the Guardians of the Galaxy for a short time um, because uh, stuff's going down. I've actually read some of these later issues. Um, because I don't know. I, I mean, I know what's hatching in the ego egg and stuff like that. I'm not trying not to spoil it too much. Um, but Richard Ryder's angry about it, you know, citing Super Scrolls on his team and Dr. Doom's on his team. And then he shows up at the sword base and he sees Magneto and he starts, uh, and, you know, they, they start a fight and then they make up. It was pretty funny. Uh, and, um, and, and the fight was, the fight was good. Uh, Nova's powers actually can, uh, can reverse Magneto's power. So that's pretty cool there. So, I mean, one day maybe we'll get a, a really good fight, but it was really just to fit some action in there. And then it's starting the Hellfire Gala. And it feels like if you're reading the X-Men, you should probably be, uh, you should probably read these last few issues of Guardians of the Galaxy. I, I realized that it ended abruptly. Um, but, uh, and I've even read one of the last Annihilation books. So that's how I know what's going on ahead. Reading Guardians of the Galaxy, I, apparently in reverse prime number order or something. Uh, but, um, but yeah, I've, because I've been reading it cause it's crossed over with sword and the X-Men a little bit. I I've realized that I've just enjoyed it. I may even go read from the beginning, but we'll see about that. So I'll stick with that. Last annihilation look good. Some Dormammu love in there. And, um, and that was, those were really the, the two comics that I, or I guess I read three, but three comics I had time to read today. It's a little bit, uh, busy. Otherwise, and now I'm going to close up with it's Wednesday morning and these are my top three comics I'm interested in for new comic book Wednesday in no particular order. Number one, that's an order. Die number 20. So die is ending. Um, Kieran Gillen, Stephanie, I believe it's Haynes, not Hans, but uh, I've been calling her Hans for uh, years now. Uh, it ends right here, number 19. It, it felt like number 19 was something that, um, you know, was was building up the entire time. Uh, I don't like to spoil it because it was building up in a certain way uh, for the characters. Uh, and number 20 is where we're going to end it. Uh, I'm, I'm excited to see what Kieran Gillen, what Kieran Gillen's main indie book becomes. Like, I know that he, he's doing Once in Future and stuff, but... Um, you know, he seems to have one where he's putting in just a, a crap ton of thought into it. So once in future is like an action book, uh, die and wicked and divine, um, and not Uber Gore Vidal likes Uber the best, which is funny. And, uh, uh, I can't remember the other 
music-based book that Kieran Gillen did, but it was also very good in black and white. Um, you know, I can't wait to see what his next, like, one that he he mulls over for a long time because that uh, die feels like it ended a little bit short, but obviously um, it's 20 sided die. It's a play on numbers, I guess. Next one is uh, crossover. Number eight crossovers back. Uh, my favorite issue of crossover was the one shot. I would say this is a book that I'm not as I, it's not as good as I was hoping it was going to be, or as excited I was for it. Even issue one, like met my expectations, but, uh, but then I, it was just a, cool enough book with cool enough ideas in it. Uh, so I'm curious to see what continues to happen in it. Uh, for that reason, apparently there's more big stuff or whatnot. Madman's in it, obviously. That was one of the big things, but I don't know if that was a uh, a genuinely good uh, cliffhanger for issue number three or four or whatever. But it is good enough to stick with it. Uh, I am I like Donny Cates for what he is. I enjoy what for what he is. So uh, I think he's a fun writer. I think he really cares about the things he's writing about. And um, I think he's one of those guys that, you know, has has good ideas. Uh, do they always pan out? No, not necessarily. Uh, Death of the Inhumans, for example, and whatnot. But uh, but really cares, like really, really cares about it and, and looks in the mirror and goes, how did I end up here? I'm so lucky and I got to make sure I don't F this up. That's, that's what Donnie Cates comes off as me. So I do feel like he does good stuff and you know, obviously works on his marketing and I, I enjoy it for that reason. Um, even if, even if it didn't, you know, something like crossover didn't, uh, become the, my favorite book or anything like that. Uh, I am buying it though. And that's what really matters to his pocket anyway. And then my, uh, third in no particular order is Inferno number one, the end of the Hickman run. And I've already complained about this and I'll complain about it more. Uh, I'll probably do it this week and next one on this show. Uh, but hey, I'm excited for this. I'm disappointed that it's the end when it really should be the end of the first act of three. But whatever, you know, I'll I have to decide how I'm going to stick around with X Men. I'll probably end up reading the vast majority of it on Marvel Unlimited. But um, but nonetheless, I'm excited for this. I mean, if you guys thought that um, you know the X Men were bad guys, just off doing little, you know, the little things they were doing, man, where Magneto or where uh, Professor X just was brutal was to Mystique and outright lying to her, like in, you know, like a government CIA type lie. Um, you know, she went and did her mission, you know, I won't get into those details. And the deal was that they would uh, revive her girlfriend, Destiny, but there's a big no precogs rule because of Moira and, and, the way she is, her mutant power, getting into any of that. Uh, and uh, <laughs> and then when it happened and she deserved to get it, Professor Xavier was like, sorry, nope. Like literally, like just dry F you, not going to happen. And uh, and it was, it was like one of the sharpest things I read last year when he broke that to Mystique. And since then, Mystique has vowed to uh, burn Inferno down, hence Inferno, and so uh, a lot of us are very excited for that, uh, even if I'm a little bit disappointed. The solicit says, the culmination of Jonathan Hickman's X-Men begins. There will be an island, not the first, but the last. Promises were made and broken. I refer just reference those. The rulers of Krakoa have been playing a dangerous game with a dangerous woman. 
and they're about to see how badly that can burn them. So, bam. So that, you know, even if you're not reading X-Men, I think that's pretty cool. And if you just hate this Hickman X-Men, which you shouldn't, but if you just hate the concept of this Hickman, Hickman X-Men, Mystique is for you. She represents you. She's going to burn it all down. My name's Chris Sarda. Thank you guys for hanging out with me in the morning. I will see you guys tomorrow. And then next week we will rehash how I'm going to do all this crap. And uh, find me at Instagram or at Cast and Comics on Instagram and Twitter. And of course, right here on YouTube. Thanks for hanging out.